0: When you're not a little boy anymore, when the world taught you how to be this man, you know you're still going to make mistakes, but your family and your friends that you made along the way are going to help you, okay? Even though it'll seem like the world's going out of its way to teach you these hard lessons, you're going to realize that, you know, it's the same world that's giving you your family and your friends, you know? You're going to come to believe that the world's going to protect you, too. Boy Meets World. Now I get it.
1: this world, this
2: road,
3: Hey there, BMW fans. Angela Bowen here, the host of the new 2021 podcast... The World According to Cory, an unofficial Boy Meets World podcast. Well, today, of course, to kick this podcast off correctly, I figure, you know, I want to start with the pilot. It's been quite a long time since I've watched this. So, the pilot of Boy Meets World aired on September 24th, 1993. So, think about it. I had just turned 11 one month prior to this Show premiering. So, according to IMDb, here's the summary Corey is caught listening to the Phillies game in class while Feeney is trying to teach the class about love. Eric decides to take his girlfriend on their first date to the Phillies game instead of Corey, so Corey decides to live in his treehouse. This episode has an 8.1 out of 10 rating based on 299 ratings. We have a couple of guest stars here. One thing you will notice, especially in the first season, there are a lot of kids from the Sandlot movie, which came out the same year as this movie, or this movie, this TV show. Chauncey Lepardi, who plays Squints in the Sandlot movie, plays Nicholas. And we have Kristen Moore as Vanessa Kincaid. I'm guessing maybe she might have been the girl that Eric was taking to the the baseball game. We have Cynthia Mace as Evelyn, who looks like she may be a faculty member. So right around Feeny's age. Or maybe younger, who knows? This episode was directed by John Tracy. Writers Michael Jacobs, the creator, April Kelly, and Jeff. Mendel, executive story editor. Alright, we got some trivia. Although not mentioned in the episode, Corey and Sean's friend's name is Nicholas. Chauncey Laparty played the role only once before his character was replaced with other friends. Ryder Strong and Will Friedle could not get through a scene without bursting out laughing. This is why their characters Sean and Eric very rarely talk directly to each other, especially during the later seasons. Oh my gosh. The pilot premiered on ABC on September 24, 1993 at 8.30 p.m., following Family Matters and Before Step by Step. It debuted to 16.5 million viewers, ranking it as the fifth highest viewed show of the night. When ABC released their fall schedule for the 93-94 season, the New York Times wrote that the network was creating a new Friday night lineup that is explicitly aimed at younger viewers. Their description of Boy Meets World was a show about life seen through the eyes of an 11-year-old boy. Before the pilot aired, David Zerowick of the Baltimore Sun wrote, Predicting Nielsen's success for Boy Meets World, cited the network adding, William Daniels was daring and creative. Original title of the pilot is called Brother's Keeper. In syndication, sometimes this episode is listed as Brother's Keeper, a nod to the debut episode of Miami Vice. Corey references Full House, which was a contemporary sitcom, also part of the TGIF lineup for a time. Corey says, Hey, America's Funniest Home Teacher! Referencing another contemporary TV show, America's Funniest Home Video. Warning, spoilers. Interestingly, although he is in every episode and Corey is always talking to him, Sean's name is not actually spoken by anyone until Corey's alternative friends. At which point, Mr. Feeney calls him Mr. Hunter, and later in the episode, Corey calls him Sean. Thus revealing his name, which... Had somehow gone unspoken to this point to be revealed as Sean Hunter. After his name is said in one way or another, after this his name is said in one way or another in every episode. We also have goofs for this episode. Mister Feeney tells the boy playing Romeo to stab himself, but in the play Romeo dies by drinking poison and Juliet stabs herself. Whenever there is an exterior view of the Matthews residence, you see a window on the left of the house but you can see no coat rack. Inside, there is one. This applies to every episode. Mr. Feeney's milk carton changes positions between each take when he's eating lunch and when Cory comes over to see whether Mr. Feeney loves or hates him. During detention with Mr. Feeney on his desk, there are two pencils in his cup container. They move positions throughout the detention scene, yet no one ever touches them. And there are three user reviews. First one... Nine out of ten, great, funny plot. This is from September 22nd, 2013. Which is funny because that would be the tw- almost the 20th anniversary of Boy Meets World premiering. Boy Meets World is an awesome and often pretty funny show. It has themes about growing up and facing problems of adolescent life. There was a big part of my childhood and I remember watching the show all the time. The show has funny jokes and many iconic features. Figures such as Corey Matthews and the legendary Mr. Feeney. This pilot episode introduces us to Corey, his brother Eric, his best friend Hunter, and his teacher slash principal Mr. Feeney. When Corey is caught listening to the Phillies game in class, Feeney gives him detention and a life lesson on love. Overall, this is a fantastic episode that is really funny, though sometimes juvenile. I love the interplay between Corey and Feeney, and of course, we will see more over the course of the next six seasons. I rate this episode a 9 out of 10. 10 out of 10, titling this review, I'm the king of idiots for waiting so long to see this show. This review was published December 21st, 2013. Warning spoilers. Mr. Feeney is teaching the class about the importance of love and affection with his class reenacting Romeo and Juliet. Corey doesn't grasp the concept of love, especially since he's 11 years old. He thinks girls are pointless and has no interest in them. Corey gets abonished by Mr. Feeney for listening to the Phillies game in class while Feeney is talking about love. To make matters worse, Corey feels betrayed by his older brother Eric because Eric wants to replace Corey with a date instead. Corey doesn't take too kindly to this, so he moves out into the treehouse. Corey learns some valuable lessons about love, respect, and loyalty. I'll be honest, up until a few days ago, I hadn't seen one episode of the show. I don't know if it's because everyone else raved about it and the hype was too high for me, or something else. But I never watched this show when it was airing weekly or during its syndicated run. My knowledge of the characters isn't great, nor is my background on this show. I simply came across it on TV a few days ago. I really enjoyed the characters, the humor, and the overall feeling the show gave me. It seemed to be right up my alley, and something that I could get easily addicted to. After enjoying a few episodes, I I decided to start right from the beginning. I was so idiotic for waiting so long to watch the show. The show show was made for me. Ben Savage is is great as Corey. He's the perfect lead for the show. He's charismatic, funny, and hilariously sneaky with a good heart. Mr Feeney is <laughs> mister is amazing as well as the grumpy teacher with a heart. Danielle Fischel had yet to show up as Topanga, Corey's girlfriend, Chauncey Laparty, Nicholas would be subsequently replaced after this episode while Ryder Strong would become a big picture. Even Corey's parents make him smile or make me smile. They are parents everyone dreams of having about having. This show has a great message about how tough it is to grow up, and when you grow up, your priorities veer in two other directions. When you're a kid, you don't pay much attention to love or things like that. The ending was amazingly well done. If you don't smile like an idiot throughout this pilot, there's something wrong with you. If you made the mistake that I did, don't wait any longer. This show has something for everyone. It's safe to say I'm in love with this show. Funnily enough, Corey's dislike for women would change heavily, In the years to come, he ends up marrying Topanga. And, of course, the last review for this episode. 10 out of 10, titling it Boy Meets World is Such a Great Show. This is from January seventeenth, two 2007. Warning spoilers. I love this show. I truly do. It's full of comedy and drama. I'm planning on getting all the seasons because it's like you're being attached into their lives yourself. With Eric Matthews as the boy who um yeah, they got that wrong. It's actually supposed to be Cory Matthews, played by Ben Savage, as the boy who grows up in Philadelphia with his best friend Sean Hunter and his girlfriend, or so she is a little later, onto the show. And they get married too towards the end of the seasons, which is so romantic, but they've known each other since they were in diapers. <laughs> Danielle Fischel, Topanga Lawrence Matthews, Eric Matthews, Will Pardell is his ever-so-cute, funny brother, his mom, Amy, and dad, Alan, and little sister, and his forever-long-time teacher-slash-principal, George Feeney, William Daniels, who you will come to love in this show, and a lot more important people get introduced into the show as it goes on, and it has always been one of my most favorite shows, They talked about everything from a child's perspective to a teenager's perspective to an adult's perspective. The relationships and problems that all these friends and family have faced have come quite a way to show you how it relates to everyday situations. They all treat each other with love and caring and care, showing us that they all are one big happy family from Sean's parents splitting up to his dad. Spoiler alert, his dad dying. They show the progression to a wonderful relationship between Cory and Topanga, from them being together from the age of eight months to the two of them getting married. Some episodes can make you laugh, and some can make you cry. It is like a Friends episode for children. It is a wonderful story of friendships, relationships, and life. So, as I believe I've said, that this Boy Meets World podcast is just going to be an episode a month. I'm not going in order episode by episode, season by season. I'm just going to be focusing on, you know, random episodes. Kind of sticking with seasons 1 through 4 to start off, and then eventually moving my way into seasons 5 through 7. At some point when I finish the Full House podcast in two years... We'll see about adding more episodes of Boy Meets World to the pod, um, to the, instead of being a month, maybe it'll be twice a month or monthly, we'll see. Two years is quite a while from now. (laughs) So this podcast, The World According to Cory, does have its own podcast Facebook page. If you want to jump on Facebook, you can type in Boy Meets World Podcast. This podcast page should pop up, that way you'll know what episodes I'm covering for for which month. In the future, I do plan to do giveaways. Maybe giving away a Boy Meets World Funko Pop. Maybe giving away um, a season of the show. We'll see. This podcast also shares space on Instagram with the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast as well. And it also has an email address too which I made one up specifically for this podcast. And that email address is <clears throat> W-A-T-C-B-M-W Podcast. Of course, W-A-T-C means The World According to Corey. podcast at gmail.com. I'll leave the link in the, epi- or in the episode description, the email address, if you guys want to... Write in with your Boy Meets World memories, favorite characters, top ten moments. I would love to hear about them. So, alright, without further ado, let's jump into the pilot episode of Boy Meets World. So, the episode begins in the lunchroom. And I'm trying to wonder if this is before classes start and the kids are hanging out in the lunchroom prior to? Or if. <laughs> because as Mr. Feeney is going over to get himself a coffee out of the vending machine, Corey's getting himself a candy bar out of the, out of the vending machine and they're talking about breakfast. And of course, Mr. Feeney is <laughs> asking Corey, Doesn't your mother feed you breakfast? Why are you having a candy bar for breakfast? And Corey says, well, yeah, I mean, I just need to get that taste of shredded wheat out of my mouth. <laughs> and this reminds me of a time when I was in fourth grade. And I had traded some, either my whole lunch or some of it to a kid for a bag of caramel corn. My teacher had the gall to write a note home to my Family so like she was really like irritated. I'm thinking that's not your business It really uh, I think she went a little bit overboard. Well, the vending machine right behind Corey is stocked with oranges and apples just filled to the brim and I, I remember in junior high how awesome it was when we got a pop machine right near the lunchroom and there would always be a line at the end of the school day, kids wanting to get their caffeine before they get on the bus. I think this is back when so it was nineteen ninety four, so pop twenty ounces would have been maybe a buck twenty five. Maybe a buck thirty five maybe a dollar ten. I'm not sure. But they definitely weren't like almost 2 Can you believe that? A 20 ounce of pop is almost $2 if it isn't. It's either like 189 or 199 You go into the pop aisle of the two liters and a lot of times you will find them on sale for like a dollar something. When did a 20 ounce of pop cost more than a two liter? That is so sad. And of course, Mr. Feeney tells Corey, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors loading up on junk like that. I love Corey's retort. He's like, yeah, enjoy that high vitamin astronaut drink. (laughs) Yeah, please enjoy that high vitamin astronaut drink you're sucking down. Yeah, how many sugars he put in that thing? How much? How many? How how many creamers did you put in that? Who's drinking straight up black coffee? Of course, uh, Mister Feeney turns this into a teachable lesson, saying how there's no gravity in space and astronauts would suck up. And he points at Corey, says, "Learn from them." And Corey's like, oh, it's too early in the morning to learn." Yeah, these kids all look like they're uh, having a type of breakfast thing. Someone's got a plastic container of. Sunny D, someone's got a chocolate milk. So this clearly is the time before class starts. Usually before class starts, we'd, like, hang out against the wall in the halls, just waiting for the bell to ding to get to class or watch the digital clock above the trash count down until it's like, I guess we better start walking that way to homeroom.
1: Good morning, Mr. Feeney. Good morning, Mr. Matthews candy bar? Doesn't your mother feed you a proper breakfast?
4: Oh, yeah, she does. Now I gotta get the taste of this shredded weed out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> you know, you're not doing your body any favors loading up on junk like that.
4: Oh, thanks, Mr. Feeney. And please enjoy that high-vitamin astronaut drink you're sucking down.
1: <laughs> There's no gravity in space, Mr. Matthews. Therefore, astronauts suck up. Learn from them. <laughs>
3: Okay, so we do see Sean, and we do see, I'm just going to call him Squints for now. I've already forgotten uh, Chauncey's characters. Nicholas, was it? So Corey goes to sit down next to the guys, and Sean and me is like, he's a teacher, man. Keep ragging on him, and he's going to make your sixth grade year miserable. Corey tells Sean, well, hey, I'm going to be miserable anyway. At least this way. I'm taking him down with me. <coughs> like, hey, if I got to be miserable, I'm going to make Feeny's life miserable. So Sean nod- nods over to the table that Feeny's sitting at, and there is a female faculty member. And the guys are like, well, I've never seen her before. She's got to be new. And Sean. Says, yeah, I mean, she must be new if she's talking to Feeney. So, Squint's here asks how late the boys stayed up. And they go how late based on the shows they were watching. Like, basically, did you get all the way up to midnight? So, the boys start talking about, they don't say what show it is, but they're talking about, oh, I stayed up for the monologue, the bad sketch, the this the that. And Nicholas, slash squints, <laughs> says he's pretty much stayed up all the way through Steve Lawrence. So I don't know whether they're talking about Saturday Night Live. Well, if this is a Monday and they're talking about what they did over the weekend. If they're talking about Saturday Night Live. Because they mentioned a bad sketch and a monologue. Or they're... Uh, uh, part of me thinks the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show, Jay Leno, David Letterman, those type of talk show or night talk shows. And Nicholas says after the bell rings, well, alright, we got four hours till lunch. See you later. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Corey says four hours till lunch.
4: He's a teacher, man. Keep bragging on him. He's gonna make your whole sixth grade <coughs> year miserable. I'm gonna be miserable anyhow. At least this way I'm taking it with me. Who's that? I think she's new. She must be new, she's talking to Feeny. Okay, so how late did you stay up last night? Monologue. Monologue first guest. Monologue first guest bad sketch. Monologue first guest bad sketch. Funny zoom
3: in Mon- Alright, let's take a look at this theme song. There's no lyrics whatsoever. I've heard other Boy Meets World podcasts kind of complain like, oh, the first season with the graphics that they have are just goofy looking. And I think it's creative. I mean, we see the title card for Boy Meets World come up. We see a paper airplane landing behind the title card. And it's got kind of a, um, uh, a pea green type of uh, background. It almost makes me think of like pea green leopard print or something. We also see a globe spinning and we see Ben Savage's Corey <laughs> hitting the globe with a ba- uh, baseball bat. We also see a paper airplane bring in his name on a banner saying Ben Savage. We see a baseball glove. We see a 10-speed bike. We see French, uh, little carton of french fries coming out of Corey's, uh, the inside of his shirt. Because he's wearing a blue t-shirt with a red long-sleeved shirt over it. We also see he only ducks as he almost gets hit by a baseball glove. We see a ruler. We see a book that says Boy's World Dictionary. And a protractor with that little metal... Thing with the pencil attachment. I never had to do that in school. We see the book open. We see William Daniels, who plays Mr. Feeney. He's at the chalkboard. And I like... His, there's a pencil just under William Daniels' name. It's just... It's so creative. And this is back when shows had theme songs and stuff. They don't really do that anymore. We see uh, teachers suit basically mr feeney's suit tie shirt outfit and Corey kind of sticking his head over it and then we see a hockey stick that says Corey. we see some pink hearts we see rollerblades a lot of 90s stuff we see betsy randall and there's a band-aid underneath her name as Corey's sitting on the kitchen island while she puts a band-aid on his forehead he of course is wearing Rollerblades. Now, I first remember seeing Betsy Randall on a couple episodes of Home Improvement. Here's some trivia. She actually auditioned for the role of Jill uh, Jill Taylor. Can you imagine if she had gotten that role? I wonder who would have played Amy Matthews. I definitely cannot see Patricia Richardson playing Amy Matthews. But then again, before Patricia Richardson landed the role in Home Improvement as Jill Taylor, um, <laughs> uh, Frances Fisher, who you'll all remember as Rose DeWitt Bucator's mother in the movie Titanic, had been cast to play her, the mother, and to the boys and. The wife of Tim Taylor and I just it just it didn't seem like a good fit from what I heard so we see a red old classic car we see another a black classic car we see a motorbike it's a lot of boy stuff we see Will Friedle who plays Eric Matthews Corey's older brother And we have a license plate under his name. And he's just hanging out on the bed, flipping through a car magazine. We get a scene from this episode where Corey lands in detention. Wow, check out those old monitors, those big bulky monitors. It's the 1993. Corey's wearing a Phillies jersey with a shirt underneath it. And, of course, Mr. Feeney does this a lot. Whenever he wants to make a point. He always sticks his finger out like, you need to pay attention to what I'm saying because it's important. We see Corey jumping up and down on the couch, Tom Cruise style on Oprah. (laughs) Looks like he's wearing a basketball jersey and shorts. Maybe he made the basketball team. And Alan's on the couch with Morgan Morgan 1.0 on his lap. Eric and Amy are behind the couch. And they're all like, whoa, this boy is you gotta cut down on that sugary cereal because he is full of energy. We see a scene from later in season one, don't ask me what the episode is, where, again, Mr. Feeney's pointing at Corey, and Corey has got a hand on his hip and he is just shaking his head no. Corey's wearing a raptor shirt, which makes me think, I mean, this is the same year that Jurassic Park came out, so he's... Not getting beat up for wearing a dinosaur on his shirt, so good for him. Another scene from the pilot in the detention scene is Corey is trying to dance his way out the door. Like, I'm leaving the room. (laughs) A lot of paper airplanes. (laughs) As we see Ryder Strong, who plays Sean. And underneath Ryder Strong's name is a skateboard. And he himself <laughs> and Sean Hunter throwing a paper airplane. We have Lee Norris as Minkus, Stuart Minkus. And I like how behind his name, he's got a file project window computer image behind his name. And it just makes me think of, I mean, I first knew Lee Norris as Minkus. But later on, in 2005, I would later and pretty much always refer to him as Mouth McFadden, Marvin Mouth McFadden on One Tree Hill. Of course, before Lee Norris was on Boy Meets World, he was on the Torkelsons and Almost Home. We always get these graphics behind Corey. Uh, The next one, of course, is going to be little uh, teacups on saucers. And we see Morgan sitting at her little table with a tea set. And, of course, Morgan 1.0 is played by Lily Nixay. And she's got little white flowers (laughs) underneath her name. We see Corey throwing a baseball, and Alan catches it. He's wearing, he he's giving me um, Al Borland vibes with that plaid shirt. A lot of plaid in the 90s was worn. William Russ, of course, underneath his name, we see some grass. And he throws the baseball back to Corey, which turns out to be a globe, and we just see a bunch of spinning globes behind Corey. He tosses up the globe, and then we see a title card that says, Created by Michael Jacobs and April Kelly. And it says, <laughs> After we get out of the intro, we are staring at the building of the school. It says, Also starring Chauncey Laparty, which, of course, you know, played Squints in The Sandlot. He was also in the movie House Guest with Sinbad. And honestly, I can't think of what else he would have been in. He's clearly been in other things, but he actually I think was in one of those straight-to-video Sandlot sequels. I think the one that had Luke Perry in it. Alright, so we're in Feeney's class. They are doing the last scene from Romeo and Juliet. Now, I don't know what this girl's name is. (laughs) Maybe Feeny will say it. But she's laid out across Feeney's desk she's playing Juliet, of course, Nicholas is playing Romeo, and Feeney tells him, okay, Juliet's dead, so, because you're so broken up about it, now you're going to turn the knife on yourself, and (laughs) Nicholas says, well, he he asks, well, can I uh, just, like, Stir her a couple times just to make sure she's actually dead, and I love this girl. She sits up, gets right in his face, and says, "You, you better make sure I'm dead the first time, <laughs> or something." She threatens him. She says, "You touch me with that knife, you better kill me the first time." <laughs> yes, girl. Nicholas just looks at Mr. Feeney like, Mr. Feeney, he's like shaking in his shoes This kid. Of course, we go to the back of the room, and Corey's got the earbud-type headphones. Because he definitely would have been caught if he had, you know, the 90s version where you put them over your ears. That's the kind that I had. Let me tell you, working in a factory for six years, I went through a lot of earbuds. But I like how Corey's hiding it because he's got it in his ear. He's holding his hand up to his ear. And Sean's kind of leaning, he's behind him and kind of like, Hey, what are you getting? Are you hearing anything about the game? Um, I gotta ask, do... Baseball games go on in the middle of the afternoon during the weekday. So Sean asks what the score is, and Corey says three to two, and then he's like, oh, this person's on second, this person's on first. Feeney comes over and yanks Corey's hand down from his ear, and we see the white earbud sticking out. Yeah, you're busted, buddy. He he honestly, I gotta say, Corey had guts for tr- trying to do that. So Mr. Feeney asks, what's this, Mr. Matthews? And Corey pretends it's a hearing aid. He's like, huh, what? i You took my hearing aid, Mr. Feeney? So <laughs> I like what Feeney does here. He sticks the earbud in his ear and he's... Commentating on the play that's happening, like someone hit the ball, bo- uh, a uh, batter hit the ball. It's going all the way to the the back of the field. You know, sometimes you see how a catcher has to jump up against the back wall to try to get it, and that's where he cuts off the radio. And Corey's like, oh. You're telling me you're not going to hear about the highlights on the news later? Because this is back in 93, so that's probably the only way you're going to hear how the game ended. Or some of the highlights of the ball game. So, while Mr. Feeney is wrapping the earbud cords around the radio... He's telling Corey about how Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet is the ultimate testament of love. And I just thought of this yesterday. The Long Road to Pittsburgh Part 2, where, or no, Part 1, I'm sorry. When Topanga ends up moving with her family, and Cory tells Feeney, like, yeah, Topanga and I were kind of like Romeo and Juliet, you know, we'll be together forever. And (laughs) Feeney tells him to flip to the back of the book. And Corey reads the passage about how, you know, both Romeo and Juliet died. So I'm just thinking it's weird Granted, that's three seasons down the road of the show. Maybe he forgot. But Corey, being the typical boy, he's not into girls right now. He's not into this gushy love stuff. He pretty much calls Fini out and just says, Hey, this is just a waste of time. I'm not going to need to know this. Oh, uh, yeah, he says, It's the ultimate testament of love between a man and a woman. And cut to the desk. Nicholas is on... The desk with the girl on top. And I honestly like, and she's trying to stab him with that fake knife. (laughs) I like not only that we get a person of color, but she does get a couple lines. I like that. We don't see her. I don't think we see her after this episode. Miss Kincaid. (laughs) So do we get a first name for this girl? Mr. Feeney stands in front of the class and tells Mr. Matthews not to listen. You do not listen to the ball game in the middle of my class. Corey has the gall to get up out of his seat and tell Mr. Feeney, who cares about some guy who killed himself over some dumb girl? And Mr. Feeney walks over to Corey and says, the real tragedy here is not about a dumb girl or the guy that kills himself because of her. It's about the all-consuming power of love and the inevitability of its influence on each of our lives. And the thing is, it's like, I think this would make more sense down the road. Like, Corey might get it a little more when, you know, he's been dating Topanga for a while and he can kind of come to those. Because Romeo and Juliet were what? 14 and 16 or 12 and 14 they were pretty young but then again it just seems like back way 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 back then it seems or even a little house on the prairie days mary Ingalls was going to be allowed to get married at the age of what 15 which i mean yes they did do things differently back then and we today look at you know 12 and 14 year olds as well. They're, they're young. They're like babies, right? But in the time of Romeo and Juliet, it just seemed like, in a way, 12 and 14 seemed more closer to adulthood than childhood. I don't know why. Maybe because times were harder back then. I love the look on Corey's face. He's just got this confused look. It's like, are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? And Feeney just (laughs) looks at him and says, are you aware that you have detention Friday afternoon? Yeah, there is no way that he was, this was not going unpunished. Looking on the board, up in the upper right-hand corner says, assignments, read 34, pages 34 to 54. Then, of course, there's the, see, but this is... Kids today, I I don't even think they would see. We had the chalkboard in the 90s. Kids today got the whiteboard, where you're just hearing a marker going across a whiteboard, the little squeak squeak. Kids today will never know the sound of chalk on a chalkboard
2: going.
3: Oh, ugh. Oh, Cory, you scamp. He says, no, actually, I did not know that. How as we go out of the scene (laughs) that Feeney just nods his head like, yeah, yeah, you do.
1: (laughs) Mr. Bornahay, pick up the knife and kill yourself.
4: Come on, Mr. Feeney. You and I both know she's not really dead. May I please stab her a few times just to make sure? Hey. You touch me with that knife, you better kill me the first time. Yeah,
3: girl. <laughs> Mr. Feeney.
1: All right, all right. Corey.
4: <gasps> What's the score? <laughs> Bottom of the third, two outs, Stikes was on second, Crux on first, three and two to Dalton.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's this, Mr. Matthews?
4: What did you say, Mr. Feeney? You took my hearing aid.
1: Smalls delivers, Dalton swings. Oh, he got a piece of that one. It's a long drive, deep to center. Otis Nixon back, back to the warning track, climbs up the wall, and.
3: Look. Wait for the highlights on the news, Corey. Mr.
1: Matthews, Romeo and Juliet is Shakespeare's ultimate testament of love between a man and a woman. Uh, hello, Mr. Miss Kincaid, thank you. Thank you for that uh, vigorous interpretation. (laughs) Mr. Matthews, you do not listen to the ball game in the middle of my class. Mm
4: -hmm. Mr. Feeney, who cares about some guy who killed himself over some dumb girl?
1: The tragedy here, Mr. Matthews, is not about a dumb girl (laughs) or the boy who kills himself because of her. It's about the all-consuming power of love and the inevitability of its influence on each of our lives.
4: Are you aware that I'm only 11 years old?
1: (laughs) Are you aware that you have detention Friday afternoon?
4: (laughs) No, actually, I did not know that.
3: (laughs) Okay, I want to take a look. Before we jump out of this scene in the classroom, behind Corey's head we see a few posters on the wall along with some students' papers. One poster in particular, and I had to really look at it, I'm like, those yellow people. What do I know yellow people from? The Simpsons! I think that's Mo. I think that, I swear that's gonna be a Simpsons poster. There's also, and I swear I don't know how this would even be humanly possible, It looks like there's a DVD of E.T. I mean, I see E.T. and I see E.T.'s face on this little bookshelf thing. I am like, but no, it's 1993. DVDs didn't exist then. We still were hot and heavy with the VHS tapes. So is that like an audio book of E.T. or what? Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a book. One of those I can read books. I don't know. And the thing is, I'm liking now, kind of go I, as I start to go through these episodes. I'm picking up on things I never would have noticed that are in the background, and I haven't watched this pilot episode since I got the DVD box set of Boy Meets World. What was it, seven years ago? So it's been a bit.
4: Who cares about some guy who killed himself over some dumb girl?
3: Some guy who... All right, let's go to the Matthews house and meet the rest of the fam. We're up in the bedroom that Corey and his older brother Eric share. I like how they both have shelf-like headboards, Eric of course has got a bunch of cassette tapes and he's got one stack of CDs. So it seems like he just started getting into CDs. Eric's bedspread is pretty much just standard blue. Where Cory, you can still you can tell he's you know 11 years old. His interests are mainly pretty much baseball, he's got baseball pillowcases, comforter, he's got a baseball mitt, he's got a framed picture with individual baseball card pictures and then the background behind the pictures is a baseball field. So, oh, it's really, it's really, really creative. I like, and with Eric, you see a lot of red classic cars. And both boys seem to have trophies. Eric's got at least three trophies. He also has a dirty bowling pin. And Corey's got one trophy. Oh, they got a phone in their room, a cordless. I remember the day that we got a cordless phone. I was so jazzed. I was so excited. I think I tested it once to see how far the range was, and I think I made it not quite to the mailbox. So Eric's on the phone, clearly is trying to score a date with some girl. She accepts, and he hangs up the phone, and he's all like, yes! And here comes Corey. So Corey's excited and celebrating because the Phillies won eight to three. Eric's excited because he's going out with Heather Ralston. Ralston, you know what
4: that means? It means every guy in the
3: tenth group. And Corey's like, "Do you know what that means?" Because he's talking about the Phillies winning, winning eight to three. And Corey or uh, Eric is like. Yeah, it means every guy in the 10th grade wants to be me. You know, referring to getting a date with this Heather Ralston. I thought he just had one stack of CDs. He actually has attached to the wall one of those CD hangers. Now, mind you, this is 93, back when CDs cost roughly, what, 20 bucks a pop? That is at least a few, probably $500 worth of CDs there. Eric also has a poster of a lifeguard, and the poster doesn't make sense, because it looks like this chick, this girl, because you don't see her face, she looks like she's standing in a, the middle of a desert, wouldn't make more sense if you're, like, standing in front of an outdoor pool, And this is, I like this version of Eric. Granted, this is just the pilot episode, but he is so normally average. He is not a cartoon character, which is what they seem to make him later on, which I didn't like. I mean, good for Will Friedle that he can go there and have range and stuff with his character, but Corey is so jazzed. Like, hey, if the Phillies win Friday night. That means they're in the playoffs. And this is where Eric has to break some news to Corey that's not going to sit well with him. So Corey kind of sums it up. Like the game that you and I are going to, that makes that the most important game of the year, which I'm guessing they're going Friday then. So basically that game can make or break the Phillies. If they lose their season's. Um, uh, I guess, is it over? Um, or that means that they're, if they win, they're going to go to the playoffs. It's like, have they not done that before? I don't know. I don't watch baseball. Oh, they got a desk with a, a typewriter on it. There's also a globe in the room. I bet that never gets used. So many models of classic cars, pictures of classic cars. We got some baseball hats on the wall. Kudos to the set design. That just, you can get no more average than that that teenage boy's room. So Eric explains that his date with Heather is Friday, and Corey's not paying attention. He's like, oh, I got a slight detention with Feeney on Friday, but I'll just meet you at the bus. And then it dawns on him, Eric's date on Friday. And apparently that was the only night that Heather was available. Really? Oh, well, it's not like kids are going out on school nights. So Cory sits down <laughs> next to Eric. He's like, Oh, what? You're not going to the game? That's terrible. And Eric puts a hand <laughs> on Cory's shoulders, like, Uh, Cory, it gets worse. And Cory is like, Uh, she's going to the game with us. And Eric says, You're really close. And Cory is like, Uh, she and I are going to the game. So Eric gets off the bat and he explains what Cory. It's my first date with her, okay? Eric, of course, stresses the importance of wanting to impress this girl, I guess, if she's into sports, who knows. Uh, (laughs) And you can definitely see the age divide where Corey's 11, he doesn't care about girls. Eric's, what, 15, 16, and he is all about—I mean, you saw the lifeguard poster on the wall— Corey explains, like, hey, we're brothers. Going to the Phillies game is our thing. That's what we do. And Eric's trying to explain to him, like, hey, I'm trying to get a special thing going with Heather. So Eric's like, all right, look, you can go both ways about this. You can be a mature guy and accept this and be happy for me. Or you can, and Corey screams for his dad. Dad! It's like... Well, we do learn that the tickets are Eric, so by right, he can take whoever he wants.
4: You will? Okay, great. Yeah, me too. Alrighty. Okay, bye. Yes! Yes! I'm going out with Heather Ralston. You know what that means? It means every guy in the 10th grade wants to be me. It means if they win Friday night, they're in the playoffs. Oh, look, Corey, we gotta talk about something. That makes the game we're going to the most important game of the year. Look, Cory, my date with Heather's Friday. Now, look, I got a slight case of detention from Feeney, but I'll just meet you at the bus. What? It's the only night she available. You're not going to the game? That's terrible. Actually, Cory, it, uh, gets worse. <laughs> She's going to the game with us? You're really close. She and I are going to the game. <laughs> oh my, Corey, it's my first date with her. It's really important to me. But Eric, going to the Phillies game's like our special thing. Corey, I'm trying to get a special thing going with Heather. <laughs> now look, you could be happy for me and accept this like a mature guy, or you can. Dad! <laughs>
3: so I was just kind of thinking about this thing with Eric and Heather, him gloating about, oh, every guy in the 10th grade wants to be me. So is Heather a senior? Is she just really the like one of the most popular girls in school that an average guy like Eric would see her more as unattainable? I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Eric. He's a pretty cool average dude. I don't know anything about this girl, Heather. I don't know if she's, you know, a a cheerleader or, you know, it always seems like the trope is that cheerleaders date jocks. We don't know that about Heather. She may not be a cheerleader. She may not. We don't. I don't know. Is she into sports? We'll find out. So Corey's screaming for his father. Like, what is his, what's your dad going to do? Corey say, Eric, you promised your brother you would go to the game with him. You can't break a... No, he's not going to... No, 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 no. So as Corey's coming down the stairs, Amy is sitting at the desk in the living room, probably working on paying bills and all that. So she's like, oh, just the kid I want to see. Yeah, she found out about Corey's little detention from Feeney, since if you didn't already know, Feeney lives right on the other side of that fence. Yeah, he comes down and says, Mom, we have a major problem. She's like, yes, you're detention with Mr. Feeney. And Corey is like, how could you possibly know that? Well, because they're fence neighbors, uh, Feeney popped his head over the fence and said, oh, by the way, your son has detention with me. Corey's like, I want to move. And Alan asks him, why did you get detention? Because it seems like something that Corey wouldn't, I mean, he's a goofy kid and stuff like that. And just in this episode, you see there's going to be a little, he's going to learn from Feeney, but he's also going to constantly be resistant to, you know, Feeney's. That's what I'm trying to say. He just loves to push Feeny's buttons and see how far he can go and get away with things. And Corey says, Dad, I think you're missing the bigger issue here. You bought a house next to my teacher. Well, as the show goes on, it seems like... It seems like Feeney's been his teacher for quite a while, because there are episodes where he's talking like, I I taught him back in kindergarten. It's like, what? So my guess is Feeney already had a house there. And then Amy and Alan moved, you know, bought the house right next door. So yeah, he's avoiding telling his parents why he got detention. She's like, I want to move. I want to move. Get the guy with the gold jacket. I'll be in the car. (laughs) So Amy explains that Corey would rather listen to the baseball game on the radio than try to understand the emotional content of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, here we go. Here's where the full house, uh, slip comes in. He's like, Mom, I'm 11. I don't understand the emotional content of Full House. So this is 1993. What season was Full House in at this time? Let me see here. Full House. Because it ended in 1995. So I'm guessing... They were already on season seven when Boy Meets World premiered. And I would say, I mean, Stephanie would have been right around Corey's age at this time, so. But then again, there's, he's not gonna be able to, uh, relate to an 11-year-old girl, I'm sorry. (laughs) Of course, Morgan, who's sitting on the other side of the couch with her doll, says, I do! Yeah, she probably relates to Michelle. Do you know what I just thought? Because I covered the show The Wonder Years, and Kevin Arnold always with his outbursts. Corey is the same way with his outbursts. (laughs) And he's like, hey, I don't know what you're dumping on me. Eric's the one that broke our, uh... Oh, he says... I'm not the only, I'm not the one who sold out my only brother. And Eric is just like, oh, for heaven's sake. Hey, Corey, you're taking this much harder than you should be. He says, I'm not the one who sold out my only brother for some girl. And Amy is just like, Eric, she said yes. My guess is she had been kind of coaching Eric on how to ask a girl out. But from the womanly perspective, you don't want to... Come in all demanding and everything like that. Being open and honest. And I agree with Eric here. Eric is... Corey is kind of being a little hyped up about that. Don't you think you're making a big deal about this game? And Corey's like, I don't care about the game. I don't care about the tickets. I wouldn't take them if you offered them to me. I like how Eric fakes him out. Like, hey, look. You want the tickets? I'll take Heather somewhere else. (laughs) And course like okay and of course <laughs> eric pulls up get real you know kind of like psych no one says psych anymore no one says duh anymore it seems like the 80s the 90s definitely had a lot of slang that i kind of miss i mean i don't know what kids call things anymore and the fact that Cory's just like, Dad, it's like, what do you want his your dad to do? Force Eric to take you to the game? Like, dude, I can't hear 11, but you're not being fair. I mean, those are his tickets. He can do whatever he wants with them. He can, like, put them down the garbage disposal if he wants. Yeah, Eric paid for those tickets with his own money. He can take whoever he likes. Cory's like, but I earned those tickets. I slept with him for 11 years. Oh, just because you both share a room, you feel you automatically have earned those tickets. And because he says, like, going to the Phillies is our thing, that's what we do. I definitely see quite a bit of books in these uh, in this house here. We see uh, a stereo with some CDs and some what looks like some home movies. Could be home movies, could be blank tapes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what those are. Those, like, old yellow pages? What is that? So, Alan says, hey, look, when you're older, you'll understand how your brother feels. Because girls will be important to you too." yes, give it two seasons. Give it two seasons. And remember this name, Corey. Topanga. He is really thinking he's going to he's trying to play the guilt card here. It's like my brother betrays me, my parents take his take his side, and then he stalks off fine. I don't have a friend in this house. I love Morgan here. She's like, "Do you want me and Debbie to go to the baseball game with you?" And Corey's like, "Hey, go to the game with my little sister and her doll. Great." He really is going for it. He's like, hey, maybe during the seventh inning I can run out onto the field in my old Spider-Man underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love this version of Morgan. She's such a sweetie. She's like, well, you don't have to dress up for me. (laughs) Dad, just the kid
0: I want to see. Mom, we have a major problem. You have detention with Mr. Feeney. How could you possibly know that? He stuck his head over the fence and told
4: me while I was bringing in the groceries. I want to move. Why did you get detention? You know, you're missing a bigger issue, Dad. You bought a house next to my teacher. I want to move. I want to move now. Get the guy with the gold jacket. I'll be in the car.
3: Why did you get detention?
0: Apparently, he'd rather listen to the baseball game on the radio than try to understand the emotional content of Romeo and
4: Juliet. Mom, I'm a kid. I don't understand the emotional content of Full House. (laughs) Besides, I don't know why you're dumping on me. I'm not the one who sold out my only brother for some girl. Eric, she said yes. Yeah. Congratulations. You were in on this?
3: Oh, come on, Cory, don't you think you're making a big deal about this game?
4: I don't care about the game. I don't care about the tickets. I wouldn't take them if you offered them to me. All right,
1: look. I'll just take Heather somewhere else. Here, you want the tickets? Yeah!
4: Get real! Yeah!
1: <laughs> well, he, he paid for those tickets with his own money. He can take whoever you like.
4: But I earned those tickets. I slept with him for 11 years.
1: <laughs> look, pal, when you're older, you'll understand how your brother feels because girls will be important to you, too.
4: Fine. My brother betrays me. My parents take a side. Fine. I don't have a friend in this house. Do you want me and Debbie to go to the baseball game with you? Hey, go to the game with my sister and her doll. Great. Maybe during the seventh inning stretch, I can run through the stadium in my old Spider-Man underwear. <laughs> well, you mm-hmm. don't have to dress up for me.
3: <laughs> All right, looks like it's the next day, or it could be Friday, the day of detention. And we got Sean, Corey, and Nicholas sitting at the lunch table. Looks like Sean and Corey have gotten the hot lunch. And Nicholas has brought, he's basically brown bagging it. And when I say brown bag, I don't mean the typical brown lunch bag. I mean grocery store brown bag. Big (laughs) He's giving me uh, (laughs) Andy from the Breakfast Club vibes. Granted, he's not pulling out like a carton of milk and uh, five sandwiches and this and that. He looks like it's in saran wrap, like it's just a hunk of roast beef to gnaw on. And he's got a thermos cap filled with what? Pop? Milk? I have no idea. Well, Sean, of course, says to Nicholas, like, must be great being an only child. And Corey adds, or an orphan, as of which I consider myself as of last night. And he he tells Nicholas, like, well, I mean, I dumped my family, and my family dumped me. <sighs> oh, harsh core. Okay, wait a minute. That's, I thought that was like a hunk of roast beef. That's a chocolate cake. Both Corey and Sean got... The cornbread and a slab of something meat, maybe. But I always remember. I think it was on Taco Day we would get the cornbread, or <laughs> I was going through some old uh, Lowell Ledger that was our city newspaper growing up. I was going through the archives, and they would always print the lunch menu for the week. And I saw it referred to as a Johnny Cake. Now, I've heard that term, but I'm like, I don't ever remember recalling calling it that. It was just corn, uh piece of cornbread. But, and I remember I think this is a little gross. But, and some kid called me on it one day in, like, sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever grade in junior high, because I took my milk carton, and I kind of mushed up my cornbread, and put some milk with it, and basically made corn mush, and the girl, I remember, she looked at me like, ew, that's gross, and I felt so embarrassed, but it was good, I mean, even I am sounding Jeremy's mom about it, She's like, that sounds good. Jeremy on the, other hand, on the other hand is like, oh, okay, you do you do what you gotta do, I guess. <laughs> I think cornmeal mush is yummy. I love how Corey pats Sean and Nicholas on the arms like, thanks, you're my new brothers. Oh, God. He pretty much denounced Eric as his brother. There was a lot of plaid in the 90s. A lot of hooded plaid shirts in at least the first season of the show. So, in the beginning of the episode, Sean was wearing a red shirt with black stripes running across. Today, he's wearing an orange long-sleeved shirt underneath a rolled-up long-sleeved plaid-ish red and black shirt. Corey's wearing a blue shirt with black zigzag patterns around it
4: hey
3: how about we go to game friday so cory asks the guys if they want to go to the game nicholas brings up the fact that it's sold out so cory suggests they go to the game early because there's always guys with extra tickets oh you mean scalpers and where are you getting the money for the scalp tickets cora uh sean reminds cory that he's got detention and Cory brushes it off like, ah, don't worry. I can handle Feeney. Feeney loves me. And Sean says, Feeney hates you. <laughs> Corey says, well, it's one of the two. So Corey goes over to Mr. Feeney to prove whether or not Feeney hates him or likes him or loves him. So he goes over to the table Feeney's sitting at and says, hey, Mr. Feeney, you mind if I sit down? And he says, I'd rather you didn't. And Corey looks over at Sean and Nicholas and is like, oh, he hates me. <laughs> so Corey invites himself to sit down at Feeney's table. And Feeney is like, basically, this is my time to get away from Granted, he's in a cafeteria filled with kids, but he tells Corey he spends thirty-five to forty hours a week with whiny little people like Corey. Like, I need a break. He says, "This is my respite. This is from the fray. I spend th- four hours with you in the morning and then three with you every afternoon. Like I need a break." Then he looks up at Corey and says, "Now, for God's sake, get out of my face!" So, looks like George is crushing on Evelyn, who's another fact she must be a new faculty member. We see a faculty member in the back there that has got its pre-man bun man bun. Like, if you remember the episode Dr. Dare Rides Again from Full House and where Danny and Becky got makeovers and Danny's got little, like a little uh, short pony in the back because, you know, of his mullet and everything. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So Evelyn sits down. And she's like, oh, who's this young man? So Corey introduces himself and says that Mr. Feeney's his teacher. He also says, he hates me. And Evelyn says, no, Corey, I'm sure that Mr. Feeney doesn't hate you. And I love the smirk smile that Corey gives Feeney as Feeney gives him a smile right back. <laughs> I'll get you later. <laughs> what the heck is that? Mine's
4: got fuzz. Mine's got lips.
3: Yuck.
4: Hey, Bagman. Rough life being an only child, huh? Yeah, rougher life being an orphan, which is what I am as of last night. What happened? I don't my family, and my family don't me. It was mutual. They're keeping the house. Sure, keep oh, They're here for you, Corey. Thanks. You're my new brothers. Hey, how about we go to the game Friday now? I thought the game was sold out. was eating he a lot of so bread. Early. There's always guys with extra tickets. Don't you have detention Friday? Ah, uh, don't worry about detention. I can handle Feeney. Feeney loves me. Oh, he hates you. Well, it's one of the two. <laughs> we'll see who's right. Mr. Feeney, may I sit down?
1: I'd rather you didn't.
4: Hates me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Matthews. I spend 35 to 40 hours a week dealing with the perceived problems of whiny little people like yourself. Now, this is my lunch period, my respite from the fray. I spend four hours with you every morning and three hours with you every afternoon. Now, for God's sake, get out of my face. <laughs> Evelyn. George. I saved the place for you. Oh, aren't you sweet? <sighs> and who is
2: this
0: young man?
4: Uh, my name's Corey Matthews. Mr. Feeney's
2: my teacher.
3: He hates me. <laughs> now, Corey, I'm sure that Mr. Feeney doesn't hate you. <laughs> so, now it's later in the evening. We see Corey's treehouse in the back. I'm kind of wondering, going forward, do we see much of this treehouse, or is this just the only episode with it? So, Amy has got a... Brown sack filled with chocolate pie. Oh, that sounds so good. A side of barbecued chicken and corn corn on the cob. I bet Amy is going to be like one of the best cooks. That just sounds so good. That makes me so very hungry even though it's 1.49 in the afternoon. And I had lunch like an hour ago. Granted, I mean, chips and cheese and Asian style beef and rice can't compare to a side of barbecued chicken, corn on the cob, and chocolate pie. Amy says, Well, I. Oh, she calls it a housewarming gift, the food. And she says, Well, I would have bought you a plant, but you're in a tree. So she asks Corey if he's alright. And he's like, yeah, I've been in this treehouse a billion times. She's like, never after dark. More. And she closes the little flap uh, on the doorway. So here comes Morgan. <laughs> she misses her big brother. He, <laughs> We are Corey. And Corey's like, oh, i got to put a moat around this place. She... Is wearing what looks like <laughs> one of Corey's uh, plaid shirts, cause that thing goes all the way down to her ankles. And oh, Morgan just wants to know if Corey wants her doll Debbie to keep him company. So he pops his head out of the uh, the doorway and looks down at her. He's like, "Why would I want your doll to keep me company?" And she's so precious. She's like, in case you get scared. So, Corey explains to Morgan, look, I'm 11 years old, okay? I don't get scared. And even if I did get scared, my weapon of choice would not be a chick with a plastic head. Oh, Corey. She just rolls her eyes at him and <laughs> Well, you don't have to get all snippy about it and <laughs> walks away. So, from his vantage point in that treehouse, he's got a good... Look inside Feeney's dining room, which has a big window in it. You can see he's setting up his dining room table. He's got a couple candles. He's got two place settings, so clearly he's going to have a guest. Turns out he invited Evelyn over for dinner, which, aw, that's sweet. And I do know going forward in the show, we do learn, of course, that Mr. Feeney is a widower. He lost his wife quite a while ago. And this is where Cory's like, hey, check it out, America's Funniest Home Teacher. <laughs> of course, he sees Feeney getting a phone call and Feeney looks a little uh, downtrodden. Turns out Evelyn had to cancel their dinner date. Oh, poor guy. So he takes what would have been Evelyn's place setting away and puts it over on a nearby table and sits down basically having dinner by himself. Aww. Oh
0: good. caught you home. Housewarming gift. Chocolate pie with have side of barbecued chicken and corn on the cob. Now I would have bought you a plant, but hey, we're in a tree. <laughs> Thanks, you
4: all right? Of course I'm all right. I've been in this jail a million times.
0: Never after
4: (laughs) dark. I gotta put a moat around this place. Do you want Debbie to keep you company? Why would I want your doll to keep me company? She's to get scared. Morgan, I'm 11 years old. I don't get scared. And even if I did get scared and had to defend myself, my weapon of choice would not be a chick with a plastic head. <laughs>
2: Jeez, Gore.
4: I don't have kids a snippy. Exactly. <laughs> hey, America's Funniest <laughs> Home Teacher.
3: So. As Corey's watching this scene play out of Feeney in his dining room getting the call, you do see a look of concern on Corey's face. He's probably thinking, Oh, look at this teacher. We get to I get to see him in his home environment and oh some funny or just he likes to rag on Feeney. You know how he does. And just seeing Feeney pretty much getting rejected. Over the phone, you know, he had this nice dinner planned and just like, oh, that sucks, man. Oh, Feeney gives himself some salad greens. So the main course must be still cooking in the oven would be my guess. That is a giant leg of meat. That is a big barbecue chicken leg. And Corey's just gnawing and so, it looks like it's morning because Cory's coming in wearing that gray hooded zip-up jacket with the purple shirt he wore the day before with the black zigzag patterns. It's basically a Charlie Brown shirt, with only instead of yellow, it's purple with the zigzag patterns. So, he comes in to get probably fresh clothes because he, sm- he smells like uh, your average stinky uh, preteen. And... <laughs> Here comes Amy with an armful of. Is she changing the sheets? Is he bringing in laundry? Oh, she Because <laughs> Corey's like getting socks and underwear or whatever out of his drawer and he's distracted. So I love how Amy tosses the clothes or whatever it is on the floor, and she grabs the Nintendo gun. Now, mind you, this, of course, is when the Nintendo gun was orange. At one time, it was, like, completely gray, and then Nintendo changed it to be orange and gray. So is she going to zap him? (laughs) She takes the gun and puts it behind him and says, okay, mister, drop my son's underwear. Amy is such a cool mom. (laughs) And he puts his hands up and he's like, mom, it's me. And she's like, well, how do I know that for sure? And he says, who else would want my underwear? So he's got some underwear. And he says, now, don't get your hopes up. I'm not moving back in or anything. And it looks like the boys have a little TV in the room. And Amy says, oh, well, no, I'm just straightening it up for the boy that we rented the, the bed out to. As she's folding clothes. And Corey says, well, I hope he's got better luck with brothers than I did. Man, you are being harsh on Eric, man. I get it, your brothers, and you feel like he dealt you a low blow with taking this girl to the game instead of you. But there'll be other games, man. It's not like the Phillies are never going to play another game in their life. I like how she goes over to him and kind of, uh, you know, Touches his head and asks, you are you still feeling abandoned, Core? And Corey just like, eh, yeah, I mean, life goes on. And Corey goes to leave, and Amy said, yeah, that's what your dad said when uh, it happened to him. And Corey stops and he's like, well, who abandoned dad? And Amy says, you did. And Corey comes over and is like, I never did anything like this to dad. And Amy explains, you know, when you were little, you couldn't wait for your dad to get home from work so he could throw the football around with you. And she tells Corey, I'll tell you what, you know, your dad looked forward to that as much as you did. And my guess is Corey eventually outgrew that because now he's into baseball. Corey (laughs) has to ask why he and his dad don't do that anymore. And Amy explains, well, I mean, you got a little older. And she says, you know, you got a little older, you got a bunch of friends, and you were more interested in throwing the football around with them. So Corey is like, well, Mom, it sounds like you're turning me into the bad guy here. She's like, honey, there's no bad guy. just that people grow up and priorities change. (laughs) Amy gets up and um, continues folding clothes. And Corey says, Mom, you were always cordial to me when I lived here. Cordial. You see an 11-year-old using the word cordial. I don't even think in a... That's just a word that really doesn't get tossed around so much. And she tells Cory, well, thank you. And I promise that the new boy will never replace you. Oh, new boy will never replace you in our hearts.
0: Okay, mister. Drop my son's underwear. <laughs> Mom, it's me. How do I know it's you? Who else would want my underwear? Good point. <laughs> Now, don't get your hopes up. I'm not moving back in or anything. Oh, hey, I'm just here straightening up the room for the boy we rented it out to. (laughs) Well, I hope he's got better luck with brothers than I did. You still feeling a little abandoned, Cor? Yeah, well, life goes on. Yeah, that's what your dad said when it happened to him. Why, who abandoned dad? You did I never did anything like this to Dad. Oh, when you were little, you couldn't wait for your dad to get home from work so you could throw the football around with him? I'll tell you something, he looked forward to it as much as you did. So how come we don't do that so much anymore? Well, you got a little older, you had a bunch of friends, you were more interested in throwing the football around with them. Wait a minute, it sounds like you're saying I'm the bad guy. No, honey, there's no bad guy. All I'm saying is that it's natural that people grow up and priorities change. Okay?
4: Mom? Hmm? You were always very cordial to me when I lived here. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. And I give
0: you my word that the new boy will never replace you. In
3: that Alright, now we're finally getting to detention. We see the clock. It's ten minutes after four. Corey's sitting in the front row desk. Guys, I want to apologize. I don't know what's going on outside. I don't know if it's a kid making this howling racket or what's going on. Um, it's, if you hear it in the background, I'm just trying to let it interfere with the, the podcast episode. So Mr. Feeney, I'm guessing he's grading papers at his desk and Corey is stating the obvious, like, you're not going to talk to me at all, are you, Mr. Feeney? Because I've been sitting in this seat for 38 minutes says, I've been sitting in the seat for 38 minutes and I've been very good and I think you should let me go. Mr. Feeny does not care. <laughs> he uh, stapled some papers together and Corey's like, an 11 year old boy can't st- sit still this long so I'm gonna get up. <laughs> oh, he's wearing his Phillies jersey. <laughs> he really thought he was gonna go to the game. And Corey seems like he's, he's the kind of kid that's always gotta be like, doing something like he he can't sit still but then maybe again that's just like an average 11 12 year old kid that is just like try to get him to sit still but they're always either got to be doing something with their hands they got to be getting up they got to be causing you know silence just doesn't work for them so Corey starts like i'm dancing in front of your desk (laughs) or no it's more like he just he wants attention and feeney is just like You're in detention, okay? I'm not going to pay attention to you. You're here because you messed up. So, Cory's like, I'm making my way to the door. My hand is on the knob. I'm leaving. I'm shutting the door. And still, Feeney is not saying anything. (coughs) Cory's like, I'm in the hall. Okay, so clearly Cory's never had detention before. Because he comes back into the room and like, oh, Mr. Feeney, this stinks. And Feeney says, well, it's detention. You're being detained. Because you're being detained from whatever it is you'd rather be doing. I'm finding it surprising that he's holding it in his classroom. And usually, don't they have you go to wherever the detention room is or the detention hall? Of course, the best movie about detention, of course, is The Breakfast Club. And Corey says, well, I think it's a uh, cruel and life-sucking torture. Well, you do the time, you do the crime, you pay the, you do the time. That's just how it is. So Corey starts arguing about his punishment, just saying, like, why do I got to be here just because I don't agree with this love stuff? I mean, I know it and it is no good, and I know in your heart that you agree with me. He says, because I only know it leads to no good, and I know that you agree with me yeah right and Feeney says well what brings you to that conclusion Mr. Matthews and Corey says you and I had dinner last together last night and Corey explains that he was watching Feeney through his window via you know his clubhouse he says I had chocolate pie and you had salad for two all by yourself and that's where Feeney looks up at him Cory explains that the reason he knows that is because he slept in his, his uh, treehouse last night and this whole love stuff has turned my whole family against me. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a stretch. But then again, at 11, who's thinking logically? And Cory says, you're teaching us that love is worth killing yourself for, when I know you don't believe that. Feeney... Puts his pen down, looks at Corey, and says, You shrewd little observer of the human condition. Feeney explains, he says, How blissful it must be for you to have lived so little and yet already reached your conclusions. (laughs) Yeah, he's reached his conclusions about the greatest wonder of the universe. Corey doesn't know anything about love because he's never been in love. He's never experienced it. Like he said, he's only 11. Whereas Feeney has experienced love. He had a wife and he lost a wife. And, you know, he's trying to get back into the dating circle again like that. Here comes this kid who thinks he knows it all. Corey's getting a little nervous because he's put uh, Feeney on this little rant that he's going on. He's like, you know, Mr. Feeney, you can keep the radio. So Feeney... Explains how Shakespeare wrote plays and sonnets. The Greeks wrote tragedies and comedies. He starts listing names. Robert Burns. I've not heard of him. Emily Dickinson. The Brownings examined the depths of emotion, of human emotions. The Brownings? All right, so Robert Burns was a Scottish poet and lyricist. Widely regarded as the national poet of Scotland and is celebrated worldwide. Wow, he only lived to be thirty-seven. Seventeen
0: fifty-nine to seventeen ninety-six. Let's see
3: what he passed from. Uh, doesn't say. Compositions is there for honest poverty. Old Lang the New Year's anthem. He wrote that. Oh my gosh. The Millennium Prayer, Flow Gently Sweet Afton. Interesting. He had one, two, he had two daughters named Elizabeth. Of course, one was Betty, one was Bess, and a son named Francis, and some other kid. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that. So, when he says the Brownings examined the depths of human emotion, the only thing I'm seeing here is Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Uh, Among all female poets of the English-speaking world in the 19th century, none was held in higher criticism, critical esteem, or was more admired for the independence and courage of her views than Elizabeth Barrett Browning. So, maybe also Robert Browning. Okay, interesting. So maybe he's talking about Elizabeth and Robert Browning? I don't know. I'll just say he's talking about Elizabeth, Barrett Browning, and Robert Browning. And he asks Corey, Do you know what all these poets, playwrights, and philosophers had in common with Mr. Matthews? Such an obvious kid answer. They all took your class? Feeney tells him every one of them was older than 11. So Finney starts walking down the aisle and he says, you come into my classroom at the beginning of the year and at the end you go. And he continues on saying, and I don't know if in the time we spend together, I don't know in the time that we spend together if I have taught you anything. So he is getting, Finney is getting fired up. He's like, well, this afternoon, Mr. Matthews, you are going to learn something from me. Is that understood? Oh, no, he doesn't say, is that understood? He says, do I have your attention? He looks, Corey looks like he's about ready to burst into tears as he looks at Feeney. And he's like, yes, sir. (laughs) He looks so scared. So Feeney sits on the desk opposite Corey and says, you know, I live right across the fence from you and it's impossible not to occasionally look over in your direction and notice the people in the next yard. And he goes on saying in the years I've gotten to know them they appear to be fine individuals but their real strength comes from being a family. And he asks Corey and do you know why they're a family Corey? Because at one time a man and a woman realized that they loved each other and they pursued the unlimited potential of what may come from that love. And puts us. Hands out and says, and here you are, Corey. So I like in a way that Feeny is doing this by explaining to Corey the importance of love, the love between two people that is so strong that in loving each other, they've created another living, breathing human being. So in a way, it's almost like the facts of life alongside the importance of love. And Feeney gets up, stands in front of Corey, and says, There is no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives, Mr. Matthews. He tells Corey, Romeo knew it and died for it. And Feeney says, Others know it and prepare salads. And he points at Corey, says, and those who don't know it will sit in detention for the rest of their lives. Gosh, that feels like a threat. That <laughs> feels like a threat. <laughs> and he tells Corey as he sits down behind his desk, this particular detention is over. I just, I love the knowledge that Feeney imparts on Cory. Not just in the pilot episode, but just overall. It's like, son, you may think you know everything and you have all the answers. You're 11. But there is still so much yet that you need to learn. And I like that Feeney also stresses the importance of family. We cut back to Cory after Feeney says this particular detention is over. We cut back to Cory and it's like, His mind is blown.
4: You're not going to talk to me at all, are you, Mr. Feeney? Because I've been sitting in the seat for 38 minutes, and I've been very good, and I think you should let me go. Look, an 11-year-old boy cannot sit still this long. I'm going to get up. Dancing, I'm leaving. My hand is on the knob. The door is open. Fine, I'm in the hall. Mr. Feeney, this sticks.
1: It's supposed to stink, Mr. Matthews. It's detention. You're being detained from whatever it is you'd rather be doing.
4: Well, I think it's a cruel and unusual life-sucking torture.
1: (laughs) You've captured the essence.
4: Why do we have to stay here just because I don't want to hear about this love stuff? Because I know it only leads to no good, and I know in your heart you agree with me.
1: What brings you to that conclusion, Mr. Matthews?
4: Because you and I had dinner together last
1: night. Really? I wasn't aware.
4: I had chocolate pie, and you had salad for two all by yourself.
1: How did you know that?
4: Because I slept in my treehouse last night. You know why? Because this love stuff has turned my whole family against me. And you're teaching us how it's worth killing yourself for when I know you don't really believe that, do you?
1: Well, (laughs) you shrewd little observer of the human condition. (laughs) How blissful it must be for you to have lived so little and yet already reached your conclusions about the greatest wonder of the universe.
4: You you know what, Mr. Feeney? Cheap the radio.
1: Shakespeare wrote plays and sonnets. The Greeks wrote tragedies and comedies. Robert Burns, Emily Dickinson, the Brownings, examined the depths of human emotions. And do you know what each one of these poets, playwrights, and philosophers had in common, Mr. Matthews?
4: They all took your class?
1: (laughs) Every one of them was older than 11. (laughs) Come into my classroom at the beginning of the year, and at the end you go, And I really don't know if in the time we spent together, I have taught you anything. Well, this afternoon, Mr. Matthews, you are going to learn something from me. Do I have your attention?
4: Yes,
0: sir.
1: I live on the other side of the fence from you, Corey. And it's impossible not to face in your direction every once in a while and notice the people in the next yard. And through the years, I've got to know them. It is apparent that they are fine individuals. But their real strength comes from being a family. (laughs) And do you know why they're a family, Corey? Because at one time, a man and a woman realized that they loved each other and pursued the unlimited potential of what may come from that love. And here you are. There is no greater aspiration than to have love in our lives, Mr. Matthews. Romeo knew it and died for it. Others know it and prepare salads. And those who don't know it will sit in detention for the rest of their lives. (laughs) This particular detention is over.
3: So, Corey comes in through the French doors into the living room, he's got a duffel bag. He's telling Morgan, look, don't tell anyone I'm here, okay? And she's like, oh, you don't want anyone to know that you're moving back in? He's like, that's right. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know she's gonna scream and say, Mom, Dad, Cory's home! Or something like that, because that's just Morgan. Yeah, she screams, Cory's back! And of course, Cory's like, no! And he backs right into Alan. He turns, looks at his dad, and says, hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> and Alan says, well, it's about time dinner's on the table. So, oh, he came back just in time for Din Din. <laughs> he says, dinner's on the table, and the kids have been animals, and Morgan just laughs. So Corey's like, I know you're going to lose out on all that rental income, but you can have my room back. <laughs> and Alan looks at Corey's he's like, well, I mean, that comes as a pretty big economical blow, but, I mean, we'll get by. It'll be fine. And Amy's words kind of hit Corey as he says, you know, dad, I'm sorry I dumped you for my friends. And Alan's a bully. He he doesn't remember that. He's like, what do you, when did you do that? And Corey's like, well, you know, I mean, all the time. And Alan says, you know, well, Corey, I'm glad that you have friends. He says, and I'm glad you're back. So he he hugs Corey. Corey's like, no, don't hug me because he's 11.
4: Oh, Morgan, I don't want anybody to know I'm here, okay? Oh, okay. You're moving back there? Yeah, don't tell anybody. Oh, okay. okay. Come no! Hi, honey, I'm home.
1: Well, <laughs> it's about time. Dinner's on the table, and the kids have been animals.
4: <laughs> I know that you and Mom will lose out on all that rental income, but I want my old room back.
0: Well, that comes as quite an economic blow, but we'll try to get by.
4: <laughs> Dad, I'm sorry I dumped you for my friends.
1: When did you do that?
4: You know, all the time.
1: Well, Corey, I'm glad that you have friends, and I'm glad you're back. No, don't hug
4: me!
3: So Corey, of course, is playing Duck Hunt. I kind of figured that when Eric came in and said, "Oh, you missed a little doggy in the corner," <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, there's one. We won't have to neuter." <laughs> Turns out the Phillies won 5-3, so they're making the playoffs, which is awesome. Eric didn't have the best date. Although Heather seemed to have a good time. Eric was Mr. Thumble, <laughs> Fumble Thumbs, spilling food on himself, tripping over chairs, and having next to nothing to say. For nine innings. Oh my god. Major League Baseball games last nine innings and take an average of a little over three hours to complete. Oh my god. Good. And Eric pretty I know I'm kind of summing up this scene, but Eric pretty much thinks, like, Heather's not going to want to have anything to do with me after this. This is my last date with her. And Corey suggests, like, hey, give her a call. And Eric's like, give who a call. And Corey says, Heather, my nemesis. (laughs) It's like, dude, you chose to go to the game with her over Corey, so don't. (laughs) But Corey does suggest, like, hey, take her to a movie. You don't have to talk at all. Because Eric was saying, I had nothing interesting to say for nine innings, so basically over three hours. And Corey, or Eric says, you know, I had nothing interesting to say for, you know, the whole game. And when Corey says the Phillies won 5-3, to three, and Eric's like, oh, yeah, heard about that. And Corey's like, heard about it? You were there. And he tells him he wasn't really watching the game. He's more watching Heather. But Corey does suggest, like, hey, take her to a movie. You don't have to talk at all. Just thinking, yeah, I mean, take her to a 90-minute movie. And this was 1993, so we were still at least four years out from Titanic being in theaters. It always seemed like you always hear about guys being dragged by their girlfriends to see Titanic for the umpteenth time. Because, I mean, I, was, I saw that movie th- thrice, three times in the theater. First time with my friend. Second time with my dad. The third time by myself. I remember going up to grandpa and grandma's house and my grandma after I got home from the movie's like, so did it hit the iceberg or did it miss it? <laughs> I like that Corey is like helping his brother, like just call her, you know, invite her to a movie. And Eric feels like he's blown his shot, like she's not gonna want anything to do with me after the I made such a fool of myself at the baseball game. And Eric also asks, like, why are you helping me? Corey says, well, I don't know about this whole love thing, but apparently it's worth it. But now Corey goes downstairs. He's going to spend a little time with his little sister, enjoying imaginary tea.
1: It's puppy-looking thing in the corner.
3: John! Oh, I must Duff to be playing duck hunt.
4: Five three. are in the playoffs.
3: Sweetness. Yeah, I heard.
4: What do you mean you heard? You were there. Billy really wasn't paying that much attention to the game, Corey. Why not? It was a great game. It was not, however, a great date. That sucks. You had a bad date? No, I had a great date. Heather was beautiful. She knew what to say, she knew what to do. Unfortunately, her date spilled food. Tripped over chairs and had nothing interesting to say for nine innings. Eric, you're much too cool for some girl. (coughs) Newsflash, I'm not cool. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, you're not cool. And now you know better than to go to a game without your brother. You're right. I am? Yeah, it's my first and last date with Heather. I never want to see her again. Good. You don't mean that. Yes, I do. Here. What's this? Call her. Who? Who? Heather, my nemesis! <laughs> call her. Why? Because they're sitting there drooling and pathetic, and I know somewhere inside's my cool brother, and I'm not going to get him back unless you call. Look, I'm not calling her. I sat there all night and didn't say anything. What could I say now? Take her to a movie! Where are you supposed to sit and not say anything? A movie's perfect for your current skill level. Why do you want me to call her? I'm told love is worth it.
3: Oh yeah, Corey comes down, and Morgan's pouring the tea into her teacup, and Corey's like, hey, aren't you going to invite me to have tea with you? She (laughs) gets out of her seat, goes over to where her doll Debbie is, grabs her by the hair and just chucks her across the living room, like, and says, okay, here we go. (laughs) Corey is wearing what looks like a large to extra large adult shirt. And I'm thinking, I mean, this looks like, wasn't this the shirt he had underneath his Phillies jersey? So Cory sits down at the table and tells Morgan, you know, no matter how old I get, I'm always going to be your big brother. So he's trying to have an important conversation with her, and she's just like, here, you want some sugar? (laughs) And he continues, like, and if I ever, which I won't, I won't ever get interested in girls. Yeah, right. She's just not even paying attention. She's like, milk? (laughs) Milk. And he adds, and it seems like I don't care about you anymore. So he's basically referencing his relationship with Eric. Ketchup? (laughs) She got a little baby bottle. Like, here, ketchup. It's not real, of course. He tells her, I still want you to always invite me to have tea with you. Amy comes into the living room and tells Morgan to put away her tea set because it's time to, you know, get ready for bed and brush your teeth and all that. She goes over to Cory, tugs on his shirt sleeve, and asks, do I have to? And he looks at her confused, like, you're asking me? Cory turns to his mom and asks, hey, how about we stay up and finish our tea? And Amy asks, are you volunteering to put your sister to bed? And Corey's like, yeah, I guess I am. And she looks at him like, why? He says, because I don't understand anything about my entire life. Oh. Amy turns to, you know, she starts walking away, and Morgan kisses Corey on the side of the face. Like, oh, what a good big brother. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And he turns and looks the other way.
4: Aren't you going to invite me to have tea with you? (laughs) Morgan, I want you to know something. No matter how old I get, I'm always going to be your big brother. Sugar. And even if I ever which I won't get interested in girls. Milk.
0: And it seems like
4: I don't care about you anymore. Ketchup. I still always want you to invite me to have tea with you.
0: Morgan, honey, put your tea set away and brush your teeth. It's time to go to bed. Do I have to? You're asking me? How about if we just stay up and finish our tea? You volunteering to put your sister to bed?
4: Yeah, I guess I am. Why? Because I don't understand anything about my entire life.
3: <laughs> Aww. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool! We get a good little ending scene we see Evelyn and Feeney sitting together at lunch. I wonder if we'll learn, you know, why we, she wasn't able to make the dinner date. So Corey, Sean, and Nicholas are looking at Mr. Feeney and Evelyn and like, oh, two days in a row. <laughs> and Sean's like, she just doesn't learn. So George puts his heart out on the line as he asks, you know, Evelyn, instead of cafeteria lunch, maybe one evening we could have dinner together. And she says, of course, George, I'd love it. Oh, oh, okay, because he says he's quite the cook. And he adds how he made a salad nous, I'm not sure what that is, for his sister. But she canceled. Oh, he was gonna have dinner with his sister. Okay, uh, you know, cause at first I was a little confused. I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you already ask her to dinner? She couldn't make it. Okay, well that clears things up. And Corey's got a confused look on his face, like sister, As he's uh putting throw, tossing his you know gar- lunch in the trash and he's mentioning to Evelyn how his sister had a canceled dinner on him at the last minute, and he sees Corey's confused look as he walks past, and he's probably like, that's right, my sister. Now he says, confused, Mr. Matthews? And Corey's like, yes, sir. And Phoebe says, as it should be. (laughs) All three boys are just like, I don't get it. Okay. Two
0: days in a row, she just doesn't learn.
1: Evelyn, I hope I'm not being forward, but instead of cafeteria lunch, maybe one evening we could have dinner together?
2: Of course, George.
1: I'd love it. Good. I'm quite the cook, you know. Really? Oh, yes. Now, just the other night, I prepared a lovely salad nicoise for my sister, but she uh, had to cancel at the last moment confused mr matthews yes i
3: am sir as it should be and that was the episode i hope you enjoyed it i had fun rediscovering this episode it's like i said it's been quite a while since i watched it and of course to start off this podcast it's like i gotta start with the pilot that's the only way to do this so for the official rating system how i want to do this because, like I said, I'm not completely going in order of the episode season by season. So I think for this rating in particular, because it's a pilot episode and Corey is a big Phillies fan, I'm going to use the rating system of Phillies jerseys. So let's see. And usually I always rate it, like, one to five. Like, five being best, one being bleh. I don't think I've ever rated, um an episode of a show that I reviewed a one before. I think one of Silver Spoons was like one and a half. But I don't think I ever did a flip. I might have done the Barbarians episode of Silver Spoons. Might have been a one. But I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I only take one off just because Cory's Hall, he felt entitled to the ticket because he lived with his brother for the last 11 years and had to put up with a lot of grief. I like the introduction introduction to the character. I like that he learns a lesson from Feeney. Like, don't just think because you're young that, that you know everything. And like, sometimes things can still surprise you. You know, he's still got a lot of lessons to learn. I loved Amy and Alan. Uh, I just, I think they're awesome parents. And I like Corey kind of coming around with both his older brother, helping him out, like, hey, take your girl to a movie, have, like, a do-over date. And with Morgan, you know, him sitting down and being a good big brother and having tea with her, just saying, I'm not going to be, like, our older brother, Eric, I'm not going to ignore you for some girl. I like that he, his, his character comes around. And I just, I also loved the chatter between the boys at the lunch table. He's talking about how far they got with the late show. Even even though it was wrong for Corey to listen to the the game in the middle of class and everything, it's just the fact that he pulled that off was pretty, pretty gutsy there. So as far as advice from a lesson learned from the episode, I'm just going to call it from the desk of Feeney. And for this episode, I definitely got to say, you know, listen to your teachers. Don't just let it roll over your head because sometimes they do have good advice. It doesn't always have to be, you know, advice about, you know, the class you're taking Or the lesson you're learning as far as that goes. It can be about other things, too. You know, whether what's going on in your life. If you have a teacher like that that you can open up to. We're not there yet with Cory and Mr. Feeney since this is just the pilot episode. They're still learning about each other. And the trivia was right. Sean's name is never mentioned. Alright, so as far as the wardrobe, we got... Corey wearing four different outfits. Of course, one is kind of like pajamas, you know, a t-shirt and shorts. So we got the plaid hood with a purple shirt. The one with the black stripes running across it. We also got the Phillies jersey that he's wearing. And, of course, his faded pink nightshirt. So, out of these outfits, I definitely think I want to give it to the... The Phillies jersey is going to be the best one, in my opinion. And then the next one, I think, is going to be the purple shirt with the black zigzag stripes running across it. Runner-up, of course, I want to give that to Sean. For his red shirt with black stripes. And of course, sometimes there is going to be a worst outfit of the episode. I want to give that to Eric. I really don't like his multicolored striped shirt. It just makes me think of uh, the time my dad went down to, you know, he vacationed in Mexico. And he brought back one of these type of Blankets with, you know, colors on it. The blanket he gave me was really, really cool and everything. I really liked it. But it just, it almost kind of, it's like that same type of um, material that almost feels like it's one of those feed sacks that you would see, like on Little House on the Prairie that would hold oats or something for a horse. One of that kind of coarse material. It just, uh, I didn't like it. But I do gotta say, I, my favorite look of Eric, I think definitely, is season one with his hair. It's kind of like parted on the side, like way over on the end and kind of combed over. I like that look. It's not long and shaggy and, like I said, as his hair grows, his intelligence seems to lower, so... Now, I know I did say in February I wanted to cover a Valentine's episode. And I was originally going to do Resurrection, but I kind of want to stick right now in Seasons 1 through 4. Just pick episodes through there. So I figure before I get into any Cory Topanga romance, we got to kick things off with Season 4, Episode 1, Cory's Alternative Friends, which aired October fifteenth, nineteen 1993. In this episode, Sean and Corey get split up from doing a project together, making Sean work with Minkus and Corey with Topanga. Corey overhears girls making fun of his hair and decides to change it. But the reason I'm picking this episode, because this is the very first kiss between Topanga and Corey, where she shoves him up against his locker, because they're both handcuffed, and kisses him. And she asked, was that your first kiss? It was mine. My first kiss, too. And that's why I want to do that episode for February. And then we'll just kind of, you know, go along with that. So, even though I did say I want to do another Boy Meets World episode this month, I honestly want to do the pilot of Girl Meets World. And on occasion I'll do... kind of want to do that like comparison of the episodes I just thought it would be kind of fun because I know there are some episodes of Girl Meets World that are in the same similar vein as Boy Meets World and I did look through the episode list there are three seasons of Girl Meets World and there are some that are just kind of off the wall bonkers ridiculous Eh, I don't want to touch those But I want to do ones that definitely where Corey challenges the kids with his lessons, just like Mr. Feeney did with Corey Topanga and Sean. So this month I am also going to do the pilot episode for Girl Meets World. So a fun little segment I want to do at the end of this podcast is because I covered the Wonder Years. And if you don't know, Fred Savage on the Wonder Years is the older brother of... Ben Savage, who plays Corey Matthews on Boy Meets World. So this segment that I want to do is because we know that Corey likes to do our outbursts. Well, his older brother, Fred Savage, playing Kevin Arnold on The Wonder Years, which takes place from 1968 all the way to 1993, well, no, not, not, I mean, I'm sorry. No, 1968 to 1973, whereas the show aired from 1988 to 1993. So I'm going to call it the Savage Bros. Battle, where we're going to have, you know, if Corey does an outburst from an episode, I'm going to play an outburst from... Kevin Arnold, and you kind of can go, like, which one had the better outburst? And also, when there are, like, sweet moments between Corey and Eric, I want to see if I can find a, or a moment where the brothers are really, like, getting on each other's nerves, then I'll play, like, a short little clip of The Wonder Years between. I gotta say this, Corey is very lucky that he did not have a brother like Wayne Arnold. You can even kind of find similar similarities between Kevin and Paul, you know, Corey and Sean, Kevin and Winnie, Corey and Topanga. So yeah, I'll just call it the the battle battle of the Savage Bros. Uh, of course, this small little scene I'm gonna play from the pilot episode where Kevin and Wayne are, and Winnie and Paul are all in the lunchroom. Wayne spots Kevin with Winnie, and he just wants to embarrass him. And you, you're just going to hear the little rant that Kevin gives. See, it looks like my baby friend just <laughs> Cory's rant from the pilot episode. I would say of the stronger of the two, I'm going to give it to Kevin Arnold over Corey Matthews. I mean, Kevin Arnold, definitely you could sense some hostility there. (laughs) Whereas with Corey, (coughs) he sounded more like a little brother who's not getting his way. Or even throwing a mini temper tantrum. But, uh, yeah, I definitely say of the Savage Bros, Fred Savage definitely gets it this time around for the uh, Battle of the Savage Bros. So, all right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you have a good weekend. I will post Corey's many outfits for you to vote on, like, favorite to least favorite on the Facebook page and the Instagram, so. And the Twitter also. Again, if you have opinions on the pilot episode, what you liked, what you didn't like. Also, if you want to watch along with me on these episodes, just fire up your Disney Plus if you got a subscription and you can watch along. Alright, also please continue to stay safe out there with everything, you know, still going on. We're just, uh, Trying to get through January, right? (laughs) All right. Bye-bye, everybody.